Open your Bibles to Mark 8. We're going to go for it. Straight into it. Today we're jumping back on the operating table. All right? How many knows what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks? Somebody. What is it? A Pharisee. Um, a few weeks ago, the Lord just told me that I was a Pharisee and I didn't know it and that I was blind to it. And um, we were on a... So Mandy and I are part of a, a, a leaders network through Bethel and... It's causing us to be connected to um, people that we didn't even know were right here, close to us, and they're doing amazing things for God. I mean, like, you're like we're meeting some of these heroes of faith, like literally. Um, people that have planted churches in Turkey, people that have started a ministry for, for families that can't have children, and they've seen, I think she said, 500 uh, ladies have become pregnant in the four or five years that they've had the ministry. I'm like, wow, these are like, these are some amazing people. And they're like, hey, Jared, what do you have to offer? I'm like, I'm a Pharisee. <laughs> I have nothing to offer. Like, I, I, I feel like, um, like I'm there. I'm not in the other side yet. I'm, I'm still like, the Lord's digging this stuff out of me. And the things that I thought served me well were just religious. And so the Lord said he's going to, someone on the call said, um, so it's a Pharisee-ectomy? I was like, yeah, I'm going to steal that. So we're having a Pharisee-ectomy. And what, I, what we mean by the Pharisee, the spirit of the Pharisee, the leaven of the Pharisee, is just a religious spirit. So can you say that? The Pharisee, it's a religious spirit. Like it is an absolutely religious spirit. And we live in a very religious culture. It's a culture that claims to know God, but the but there's no fruit of knowing God, or there's little fruit of knowing God, or the fruit's been from a long time ago, or there's no current revelation in the relationship with God. And it's not only a personal thing, it's a, it's a cultural thing where we live. We live like in the Bible Belt, right? Um, we live in the place where like there's a church on every corner. I mean, literally, we're, I, there's probably six or seven churches within half a mile of where we are right now, or a mile from where we are. There are churches all over the place. We're a very... Um, saturated culture of, with religion. And you would think that because there's so many Christians yeah. that our world would look like heaven. Because isn't that what we're called to do? It's like to bring heaven to earth. Like your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if we're all Christians, which they gave that name to them because they, they were little Christ is what they were saying. They're like, you're just like Jesus. We're going to call you a Christian. This was in Antioch. And that was a, a proud label that they got. You're, you're Christians. You're just like Jesus. You've been with Jesus. You would think that all of us that are just like Jesus would see a transformation of our culture. And instead, what we've done is, is we've climbed into our, our safe place of the church, what we call the church, the four walls of a church, and we climb in there and we hide out and we just love the blessings of God like we eat until we're full. We, we feel his presence until we can't take any more. We see his blessings in our life everywhere and we're like, oh, this is the good life. And what happens over time is we stop doing the things we did at first we stopped doing the things that, he call, that called us into the kingdom, the things that brought us through the doorway into the kingdom. We stopped doing those things, and we think, well, because we know, because we've learned some tricks and some things along the way that we can make some things happen, we think that we're good. 
And it's a religious spirit, and it's a Pharisee spirit. And over the last few weeks, the Lord's been talking to us about being set free from this religious spirit, from this Pharisee spirit. And if you'll open to Mark chapter 8, verses 13 through 21. Mark 8, verse 13 through 21. So Father, we just ask that you would anoint this time, that you would own our ears to hear, anoint our hearts to receive. And God, I ask that you help me to say what I need to say in the, in the most effective way possible. And I ask that you would anoint me. In Jesus' name, amen. So Mark chapter 8, verse 13. Now this is literally right after Jesus feeds 4,000 people, all right? And immediately after does this a miracle. Now see, here's the Pharisee spirit. How many of you have ever been here before? Jesus does this amazing thing. He feeds 4,000 people, right? With a few small fish and some bread. He feeds these 4,000 people. And they took up, what did it say? Seven baskets after afterwards? <laughs> they just do this. Jesus just does this miracle. And immediately, the Pharisees came to him and said, hey, will you give us a sign? Will you give us proof that you're the Messiah? Yeah, you just did this amazing thing, but it's not enough for our faith to rise to the level it needs to, to believe you are who you say you are. So, so perform for us again. Do something for us. And here's the problem with that. And we laugh at that because we're like, oh, surely if I were there, surely I would have been, like, I would have remembered, dude, I just ate with all of these thousands of people and there was leftovers and it was a few loaves of bread and a few fish. And Jesus fed all of us and there were leftovers. I think I would remember that, right? But I don't think I would. Because how many of us have recently had the Lord do something amazing for us. Anyone, just, has God done something for you recently? God does that, and there still feels like there's a deficit, and so we're like, okay, on to the next crisis. Oh, well, that was great. Crisis averted. Okay, what's next, Lord? Perform for me. I need another sign that you love me. I need another sign that you're with me. I need another sign that your grace is beside me and in my life. And, and what, we, what we don't know is we're cultivating a deficit mentality. And because of the Pharisee leaven, the leaven of the Pharisee that's in our heart, every time the Lord pours a blessing into us, it never causes us to be at a place of overflow. It only brings us to a place of, we made it. We, we got by by the skin of our teeth. That check in the mail came just at the right time. Okay, we can rest now. Because we only live to have the deficit filled when we're a Pharisee. And we never live to live out of the overflow. Like Jesus showed the kingdom in the way he fed the 5,000 and the 4,000. Both times he took very little, he multiplied it, and it fed lots of people. And every time what was left? Leftovers. Because in the kingdom, ah, this is... The leaven of the kingdom is always about the overflow. It's not about just feeling the deficit. Some of us are walking around like this bottle of water. Some of us are full up to here. Some of us are full down here. And when God pours a blessing in it, it just gets us to here. But we're not full until it overflows and there's leftover. And that is part of the leaven of the Pharisee. And so Jesus does this miracle. The Pharisees come and say, hey, perform another sign. And then verse 13, it says, and Jesus left them and he got into a boat and he departed to the other side. And the disciples, uh-oh, <sighs> the disciples 
begin to grumble among themselves. You're like, oh man, we forgot bread. <laughs> we forgot bread. Uh, and, and they didn't have one, more than one loaf with them on the, on the boat. Well, they had one loaf and they're like, oh great, we're going on this journey and here we go again and we forgot bread. And then Jesus, right, says, now the disciples had forgotten to take bread and they did not have more than one loaf with them on the boat. And then Jesus charged them and he said to them, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, oh, it's because we don't have any bread. So Jesus made the connection. They're thinking in deficit again. They're thinking of, oh, we don't have something, even though they just saw that I don't really need anything to meet needs. I'm Jesus. I can do anything, right? And here they are. Their reasoning in their heart is, oh, man, we're in deficit again. And Jesus says, hey, guys, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod, which is the political spirit. Beware of the leaven. I know what you're thinking right now. And they made the connection, too. Oh, he's getting on to us because we don't have any bread. We're in deficit. This is the other side of a religious spirit. It brings a poverty mentality. All right, we're going to keep going. And they reason, it's because we have no bread. And Jesus, aware of what their reasoning was, he said, why do you reason that you have no bread? Why does your thinking start with what you don't have when I have just shown you that it doesn't matter if we have a lot or a little, I can meet every need to a place of abundance, not to where you're just going from paycheck to paycheck, so to speak. And I'm not talking about money, but I'm talking about living week to week. He says, do you not understand? And he says, is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many leftover baskets were there? And they said, 12. And he says, and when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full were left? And you took them up, by the way. And they said, seven. He goes, how is it that you still don't understand? And this is all I want to talk about today. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisee. And what that is for us right now is that the Lord meets a need and it never fills us. We're always still lacking. We're always still needing. We're always still looking for the next thing. We can't live on that breakthrough to a place of abundance. We need something else and we need something else and we need something else. And it's okay to have needs because the Bible says that my God shall supply all of your Names. all of your Names. how according to his riches in glory how by Christ Jesus so we do have needs but we should not live as needy people yeah. paul said i've found the secret to life here it is i've been rich I've had everything I want. I've had a great education. I've lived around wealthy people. I've been in this atmosphere. And I've also been shipwrecked, poor, beaten, naked, in prison. And guess what I discovered? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I've learned the secret of contentment. What is that? I have the leaven of the kingdom inside of me. 
I don't have the leaven of the Pharisee that says, well, you don't have enough of this and you don't have enough of that. I am perfectly content in every season. And the only time that I feel the need to ask for something more than what I have is because Jesus birthed that thing inside of me. See, he says you ask and you don't get what you ask for. You, you want stuff from me, but you don't get what you ask. Why? Because you, you ask these things to fulfill your own desires. You have not because you ask not, and when you do ask, you ask with wrong motives. What is he trying to teach us? There is a place that you and I can come to where the leaven of the Pharisee has no more hold on us, no matter how long we've walked with Jesus, no matter how exposed we've been to the religious culture, the Pharisee leaven can have a, have, we can be set free from the Pharisee atmosphere. So much so that we will not ask for things out of season, that we will not desire things out of season, that we will not live in want unless Jesus births our desires inside of us. The Bible says in Psalms, if we would delight ourselves in the Lord, y'all know this one, right? Delight yourselves in the Lord, and what happens? He will give you the desires of your heart. That can mean two things. He will give you the things you desire. He will also give the desires that birth in your heart. He will cause desires to be born in this secret place. It doesn't happen when the leaven of the Pharisee is sown into my heart and into my reasoning. Because what will happen is I will always start with what I don't have. See, the Pharisee spirit is always starting from a negative place. Always negative. It's the critic spirit. Always starting from a place of deficit. But Jesus is like, stop looking for what's wrong. Stop looking for what you don't have. Remember when God called Moses? He's like, I don't have this. I don't have that. I don't speak well. I don't come from the right family. I'm this. I'm all these different things. He goes, "Uh, well, what do you have in your hand? (laughs) What do you have? So there's a different mindset that we're supposed to have. And I, I don't think I'm the only one that goes through this, but how quickly I forget the last blessing of the Lord and how quickly my heart becomes empty again instead of feeding on that until it becomes a place of abundance. Instead of feeding on it until it becomes a testimony that, you know what, I may be in lack right now, but I'm going to eat this testimony. It's the word of God. It's what he's done for me. I'm going to eat the bread of heaven, which is the testimony, and it's going to create an atmosphere where the Lord meets all of my needs where he provides everything that I have need of. See, he's the provider. We go through life wanton. We want. We want, we want, we want, we want. We want what they have. We want what she has. We want what he has. We want what they have. And we're never finding that secret to life of contentment, of saying, well, Lord, this is what you've given me. This is what you've entrusted me with. Thank you. It's more than I could have even thought of now. Like, okay, how could I ever complain about what God's done in my life? How could I ever be like, oh, you left me empty, God? How can God leave something empty? He fills all things and continues to fill them. So how can I ever come to him from a place that says, God, you didn't provide for me. God, you left me empty here. 
God, you left me wanting here. He doesn't do that to us. He fills us completely with himself. But what we often do is we find fault and we find deficit everywhere. And the Lord wants to set us free from that. He wants to break the spirit of the Pharisees, the leaven of the Pharisee that comes in. It's the poverty mentality. Is this, is this me ministering to anyone else here? Like, like I want to learn how to live thankfully. I want to learn how to live out of overflow of thankfulness, not an overflow of stuff. Who cares about the stuff? Let's, let's take a little... <laughs> In 2020, how many checks did we receive in the mail from the U.S. of A? And the check came, and we're like, oh, I got stuff I got to do with this. I want to do this, this, and And we did it, and we're like, oh, where'd the check go? And they're like, oh, and then you go Google, like, will there be a, will there be a, and before you could write second, Google filled in a second stimulus check. Because everyone's searching. Will there be a second one? And then after the second one came, guess what? You go to Google. Where there'll be a, th- before you type in third, a third stimulus check, that, that's the culture we live in. It's never enough. Yeah. And it'll always be gone. Because we spend it on our own desires. We waste it. But Jesus wastes nothing. Listen to this. Jesus wastes nothing. Like, hey, we don't have food for all of these people. He's like, well, what do you have? Well, there's a little boy who has a lunch. Well, that's not enough. What am I going to do with the little boy's lunch? Got a terrible idea. Who who said that idea? All the other disciples were probably like, you idiot. What do you you mean a little boy's lunch? And Jesus, what did he say? That's enough. That's enough. Because he doesn't waste anything. Like, okay. We only have five loaves and two fish, or, or, or three, I don't remember the, the 4,001 as well, but, but seven loaves and, and two fish in this one. He's like, well, that's perfectly enough. And they're like, uh, we said there's at least 4,000 people here, not counting women, children, and, and everyone else. That's enough, because Jesus wastes nothing. He doesn't need a lot. Because when he speaks, he can multiply anything. And yet, we live our life from, from paycheck to paycheck, from deficit to, to deficit, from need to need, and the Lord wants to set us free from it and say, can you live from a place of thankfulness? Can you live from a place of wealthy mentality that says, I don't need things, I'm thankful that I have Jesus in my life, and he's enough. Amen. Like, whoa, Come on. how quickly we forget, yeah. Amen. And the Lord wants to set us free. And, and here's the deal. He's not just going to remove the leaven of the Pharisee from our lives. He's going to sow the leaven of the kingdom in our lives. And so now all of a sudden, we're going to look at things from a different perspective. And instead of saying, Lord, I don't have, we're going to say, Lord, here's what I have. Here's my need. What can you do to cause what I have to meet this need? Different mentality. And, and I'll just share a testimony. The Lord's been doing this here at the church in the way that we're looking at the property and the finances and the way that we're managing things from an office perspective. Before, years ago, we'd come in and be like, oh, <laughs> uh, which bills can we pay this week? Which, who's who's going to get paid? Who's not gonna, we've been through those places, right, before and way in the past. And it was always like, well, here's our deficit. And now just the mentality is completely different. 
Like the, the Lord is like, okay, well, it's going to be this much to do. Okay, the Lord will provide. Like he's already done so many. Yeah. Is that a mosquito? I don't know. <laughs> the, the Lord will provide. He's provided over and over and over and over again. And, and, and shame on me if I forget. That's why we have to tell our testimonies. That's why we have to share. Because it, it changes us from the world culture of it's never enough. And it converts us into the kingdom that says there's always enough. There's not just enough. There's more than enough in the kingdom. And Jesus came to give us life abundantly. The thief is the one that steals, kills, destroys, or causes our wealth to be eroded. But Jesus came, and just by him, he causes us to have abundance in every season of life. You're like, well, this doesn't look like abundance. I understand that feeling of like, oh, this doesn't look like abundance. But I'm always wrong when I look at anything and say, this doesn't look like abundance, God, because if he's with me, it's always going to be enough. He's going to figure it out. And I'm not just talking about money and finances. That's such a trivial thing to only relate the kingdom to. You know how shameful it is? I don't know why I use shame again, but... For us to take the gospel and only apply it to wealth and finances and needs being met in, in this life. Like, he's like, dude, the, the, the Gentiles, the people that don't know me, they're the ones that run around wondering, like, what are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? What are we going to do? And he's like, aren't you worth more than the sparrows? And I make sure they're taken care of. Don't live from a place of worry. Yeah. Don't live from a place of, oh, who's going to take care of me? I. Jesus says, I will take care of you. My Father in heaven will take care of you. Don't worry. Don't worry about life. There's a difference between taking responsibility and worrying. Here's the big difference. When I worry, I'm trying to figure out inside of me how to meet a need. When I take responsibility, I go to the person that can meet the need, and I ask for help. We're not independent from God. We are completely reliant on him. And so I can be responsible and not worry. I can be responsible and come to the Lord. Maybe you do have a need. Maybe someone in the room or on Facebook right now, you're in a really place like you do have a real need. It's okay. There's a place you can go to where all of your needs will be met. Like, oh, well, I've been disappointed before. We only get disappointed when we look through the lens of the Pharisee. And we expect an outcome that Jesus didn't provide. We expect an outcome that didn't come from the desires that he births in our heart. Like the only times I've ever been disappointed in my life is when I expected something that I got in my head and it didn't line up with what God wanted for me. That's when I got disappointed. But every time God decides how he takes care of me, Every time God decides how he blesses me, there's not one single time in my life where I've been disappointed with the way God has provided for me. Amen. Amen. You too? Like, there's never been once. So why would we live on that other side when this side is available to us all of the time? There's this amazing scripture that I rediscovered the other day. And I was like, whoa, I've never seen it through this lens because of where I'm at with this whole Pharisee thing and how Pharisee, the leaven Pharisee, looks for what's wrong or what's missing or what's deficit or what's not functioning well. It looks for the negative, right? And there's this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 
1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 5. 1 Corinthians 4, 3 through 5. And this is Paul, and he says, But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. And then this is what he says, and it jumped out at me. He says, in fact, I do not even judge myself. Did you hear what, it, what he said there? I don't even judge myself. And then he goes on, he says, I know of nothing against myself. Yet, I'm not justified by that. He said, I could have missed something, but I'm not justified by it. He goes, but Jesus, he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore, then he gives this other statement that jumped out. Judge nothing before it's time. Until the Lord comes, who will both bring the light bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. Then each one's praise will come from God. So he's saying, I don't even judge myself. In other words, I don't investigate me to find fault in me or deficiency in me. I also don't investigate me to find what I'm doing really well. Because I may say I don't have anything wrong inside of me, but that still doesn't justify me. And I may say I've got tons of wrong things in me, but that doesn't condemn me. Because my opinion about me doesn't matter. Amen. <laughs> my opinion of where my life is right now and where I think it should be, it really doesn't even matter to God. Like, well, we should be further along in our family. We should be further along in our business. We should be further along in this church. We should be further along in, in our debt being paid off. Whatever it is, stop it. Amen. Don't judge yourself. Looking for negative things or looking for things that makes you pat yourself on the back. Stop it. It does not matter what we think about where we are. All that matters is what he thinks. There is a judge and he's the only one who sees everything. And he sees everything in its right place and its right time. And when the fullness of time came, as it said all throughout the Bible, and when time had fully come, in other words, when the date set by God the Father hit the calendar, then God released that thing into the atmosphere. Whatever it was, Jesus came, there was a Moses, there were all these prophecies that were given, and when time had fully come, bam, it came into reality. And yet you and I sit around and worry and complain and measure our lives and where we're at to everything else. Sometimes we do it and say, oh, I'm better than them. Sometimes we do it and say, man, they're, they're, <laughs> they're better than me, right? We get both sides of it. And he's like, stop it, stop it, stop it. Only Jesus can show the full picture. Amen. So if you please him, yeah. if you can go before Jesus and he says, yeah, I'm pleased with you, what else matters? Amen. What else matters? There's, there's going to be a time where we stand before him one day, right? And what do we all want to hear from him? Well done. well done. Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. Now enter into the joys of my kingdom. All right, here's the thing. <laughs> well done. If I judged my life 
If I judged my life in every different season, I wouldn't think there were a lot of seasons with well done written over it. But Paul says, this is not a sprint. This is not a short race. This is a marathon. And we will only be judged by how we finish the race. And not, not just the thing we did when we finished the race, but the entire piece of our whole life will be brought into full light at the end, and then Jesus will judge our lives. So relax. Like, it's okay to be driven if the Lord stirs up a drive inside of us. But if I'm driven and the Lord didn't start up, I'm just going to be frustrated. And I'm probably not going to treat people very well either. Because driven people outside of the grace of God don't treat people well. Because they see everything as a transaction to meet that goal that they have. And I don't want to live like that. I don't want to make people feel like you're just, you're just part of the puzzle to make my life complete because I'm living from deficit. I'm driven because I don't think I measure up. I'm driven because I've been measuring according to everyone else. And so I have to accomplish and fulfill and, and win this battle and everything is a competitive thing because I'm deficient. Where does that come from? The Pharisee, the leaven of the Pharisee. Jesus wants to set us free. Don't judge anything before it's time. Don't even judge yourself. I'm going to close with this. In Romans 8.1, the word judge that Paul uses there, he uses here as well. Romans 8.1. There is therefore no condemnation. Same word. There's no condemnation. To who? Those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. So I no longer will judge myself positively or negatively about anyone else or according to anyone else. It's Jesus, what do you think? And if I hear him say, there's no condemnation because you're in me, I'm good. I'm good. If he brings something up, then I have to address it. Here's the difference. When he brings things up, we don't get to say, oh, we'll wait till later. What waits till later is what we think we want. Now, that should wait till later. But if he brings something up, we better camp out there until he changes the subject. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. Oh, it's because we don't have something. We forgot something. We're deficient. How many have been there before? How many want to be free from it? Come on. Today's the day. Like, no better time than right now. Come on. And here's, here's the, the final truth. It's all by grace. Yeah. Every bit of it. Everything. Anything that I do good in life, I can take no credit for it. I keep saying this. Like, I can't take credit for it. It's the grace of God. I didn't make that happen. 
Oh, sure you did. You got all these talents and abilities. Well, where did all of that come from? And did you know that most success in life is not contingent on one person? It's usually contingent on a few things around to, to all come together at the right time for you to have success. Sometimes it's someone else's obedience too. And all the pieces fall into place. Like maybe you were supposed to start a business, but the time wasn't right because you needed this specific business partner or this piece of land or whatever. And it wasn't open before. But when the Lord says it's time, all of a sudden they were obedient and they decided to sell this piece of property when they weren't going to. How did all that happen? God is the puppet master. Come on. Amen. Amen. Once you stand. Yeah. Hmm. Don't you bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to just ask, is there anyone here your connection with God is just, it's broken or it's frayed? You feel far from him or he feels far from you, one or the other, and you want to make that right. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and put it right back down? Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible says that when we turn to the Lord, come on, he turns to us. If we take a step toward him, he steps toward us. So for those that raise their hand and those on, on maybe on Facebook Live as well, I'm going to ask everyone just to say a prayer. Because the, the most important thing of all of this is a connection with Jesus. Like, it's the most important thing. So would you all say this with me? <clears throat> Father God, I come to you. And I am your child. And I trust you. And today, I surrender to you. I need you more than anything else. I want to walk with you. I want to know you. Will you be the Lord of my life from this day forward? I choose you. Amen. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) You know, we celebrate the wrong things in the kingdom sometimes. The Bible says there's more celebrating going on in heaven when one child comes back. Father, we welcome prodigals and sons and daughters back home right now, and we celebrate. Thank you, Jesus that you're still on the throne and you still touch people's hearts and you still open our hearts and you still go after the one. We thank you for it. We praise you for the salvations that have taken place today, the rededications that have taken place. We thank you, Jesus, that you long for us and that we can only seek you because you've been seeking after us. (sighs) Thank you. got two more things I want to I want to do we're gonna we're gonna ask the Lord to remove the leaven of the Pharisee from our lives and to sow the leaven of the kingdom 
there's, that there would be an exchange. So would you pray some, a prayer along those lines with that topic? An exchange of leaven in my life today. Jesus, I ask for you to come now and uproot the leaven of the Pharisee that's just lived in me secretly, that's been hiding away, that's been uh, manipulating how I think and how I see and how I hear. I ask that you would rip it out of me right now. Do surgery on my heart now. And I ask that you would replace the leaven of the Pharisee with the leaven of the kingdom inside of me. Let me be like a child again. Let me begin to see with new eyes and new ears. I ask that you would replace the old with the new right now, that you put a new wineskin so that I can have the new wine of the Spirit in my life now. We ask that you would replace the deficit thinking with, a, with an abundant mentality right now. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, come on. I mean, did anyone feel any? I felt something in me. I felt like a load lifted off. Maybe that was the prophetic thing that y'all were seeing. I felt a load lifted just now. We're free to just relax and walk with Jesus. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Come on. Whew. Thank you, Jesus. the last thing I want to pray is that we will become highly focused on what God has done that like we will look for testimony. We will look for God's activity in our lives. That that will begin to be what we look for. Instead of what's wrong or what's missing or what's at a deficit, we look for the hand of God and his provision in our lives and those around us. And that we, will, would, that we would steward the testimony. Come on. Would you pray that with me? God, we ask that you would help us to steward the testimony of our lives. That we would remember you that we will remember what you have done, that we will remember your deliverance, your provision, and your healing in our lives, that the testimony will be the thing we seek out in our lives, that we'll put it at the front of our minds right now, because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It attracts your activity in our lives. Jesus, call to memory testimonies we've forgotten. I think that'd be awesome on your way home that the Lord reminds you of something he did that you forgot. Oh, that'd be so, yeah, do that, Jesus. On our way home, when we go to sleep tonight, bring back a testimony. (laughs) You know, before it was called the Ark of the Covenant, it was called the Ark of the Testimony. (laughs) The Ark of the Testimony becomes the Ark of our Covenant. You understand that? Like, our history with God reminds us of His covenant with us. The small, the big, the medium testimonies of your life is is a bright indicator of His love and His covenant of love for you. And when we choose to remember it, we're remembering the covenant. And he's the one who keeps his word. Everyone say that. God keeps his word. God keeps his word. Jeremiah says that he actually watches over his word to perform it. 
He's looking for it. And if I hide his word in my heart, then he's looking into my heart to make sure it produces what he wants it to produce. So Lord, we hide your word, your testimony in our heart now. (laughs) Now God, this will be the lens from which we see from this day forward. We will look at things through our covenant with you. Come on, listen to me. This is it. This is the end. From now on, you will see your life through your covenant with God. That should bring everyone to a place of ease and comfort and peace. (laughs) He keeps his covenant. He keeps his word. for someone close to you. This is how we'll close it out today. We'll just keep it in this atmosphere. Just pray for someone. Maybe celebrate with someone. Maybe share a testimony. God, we remember. We remember. (laughs) We remember. God who keeps his covenant to a thousand generations. The God who keeps his word. He keeps his word. (laughs) Stir the leaven of the kingdom in us now as we remember you, as we remember the testimony, as we remember your covenant with us. You keep your covenant to a thousand generations, those who fear you. This is the covenant of those who fear you. Come on. You're a covenant, God. And when you looked around to find something to swear by, to say, I swear I'm going to keep my word, you found nothing that was sufficient so you swore by yourself (laughs) come on man so you swore by your own name (laughs) you could find nothing worthy to swear by so you swore by your own name and your own reputation and you're the covenant keeping God you're the covenant keeping God You're the covenant-keeping God. Yeah. Mm. I bless you with the leaven of the kingdom everywhere. May it be sown in your hearts right now. May it be sown in your, your children's hearts right now. The leaven of the kingdom. We're kingdom people. God, I bless everyone here. I bless those on Facebook and YouTube and wherever else they watch this. We bless them right now. You're a covenant-keeping God. 
You keep your word. You keep your word. I'm going to say it one more time. And when you looked around to find something to swear by, there was nothing worthy to swear by. So you swore by your own name and by your own reputation. You swore by your name. (laughs) And we trust you. We trust you. We trust you. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Just to take him at his word just to rest upon his promises, just to know thus saith the Lord.